Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. You know, once in a while we get an astonishing discovery and are privileged to present it to a large listening audience from around the world. And today is one of those days. We're heading to Austria, Germany to unveil a mini hypogea. Now remember, the hypogea is most noted in Malta off of the Italian coast. And it's an underground temple that is cut into the bedrock. Now today, we're unveiling a German hypogea, noted by many of the locals for years, but not on an international stage. This is something that's radically new. You'll not hear about it anywhere, but today on this program. And uh, I am excited to introduce not only our guest, who will tell us what it's all about. He's also going to present the acoustic properties that appear to be healing in nature, meditative, and perhaps even more fantastic than you can ever believe. Today, the Hypogea of Austria. All this and more on Earth Ancients. Saturday, February 25th, 2023, this is Earth Ancients. I'm your host, Cliff Dunning. Hello. It's really cold here in California. (laughs) We've had, um, I was talking to my son, who's north of me, in a small town called Willits, used to be a redwood town, and uh, they cut a hell of a lot of uh, old sequoia redwoods down to build uh, San Francisco, present-day Santa Rosa, further down on the California coast. They built a lot of cities. His temperatures have been like 18 degrees. Now, a lot of you guys are listening to this and going, man, I have sub-zero temperatures, dude. My ex-girlfriend who's in... uh, She's in North Carolina. They've been dealing with like minus degree temperatures. And of course, there's those of you who live in like Michigan or in Maine 
uh, or those surrounding states are dealing with record cold, minus 30, minus, I even heard minus 40. That is ice crazy cold. But you know what? I'm sorry. I'm a wimp. <laughs> it's been like 30 degrees here. And that's cold. That's freezing. It's been, you know, uh, ranges from 30 to 42. I'm not used to it. I am not, and I'm not prepared either. I don't have the clothing. <laughs> I can see, really, I can see why people buy those thermal underwear, insulated underwear, and just wear them all the time. Because if you're constantly cold, it's, you know, you're, you're, the heat's got to be on all the time. <laughs> the heater runs morning, noon, and night. I work from home. I have an office. In, I have a studio in my um, my home here, and I can't get warm. <laughs> I was I was laughing. I was talking to a buddy uh, yesterday. I was going, "Damn, maybe it's time for for thermals." You know, maybe it's time to to look into. You know, because I can't walk around with my jacket on, and I I have a. Uh, a goose down. I have a couple of goose down jackets, which help. It cuts it, but you know, my hands are cold, my feet are cold, my body's cold, and I'm not used to it. <laughs> and it's weird. And uh, I'm going to be visiting uh, some friends in a few week weeks who are upstate New York, and they're freezing. They're 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 in the minus degrees. So I don't know how people do it. And I'm not used to it. So this has been countrywide, and I'm talking about the continental USA. Countrywide, we've had very, very cold uh, weeks, months, record temperatures, record colds. And uh, and here I am uncomfortable with uh, uh, 32 to 30 degree weather. And you, some of you guys are dealing with minus degree weather. And I don't know. I don't know how you can live like that, <laughs> except for walking around in uh, thermal underwear. Boy, whoever invented thermal underwear is brilliant, right? Amazing. Well, I hope you're doing well. We got a great show for you today. You know, Earth Ancients, I mean, I try to look for cutting edge material. Every week, something's new. We have a team that's uh, sits uh, and kind of discusses the the schedule for each uh, each week, each month. We book our speakers, or we try to book our speakers a couple of months out, 60 days out. And in doing so, we're mixing and matching and looking for what's great. We work with a lot of publishing houses, re- introducing new authors. Uh, I'm on the... Uh, path to be, you know, always looking to see what's going on. We have a very, very active Facebook page, the international and the uh, local group page, constantly getting uh, leads for for good speakers. I will mention this, and we're going to talk about it later uh, at the end of the show. If you haven't heard of Contact in the Desert, it's a conference you need to really consider. It's held in Palm Springs, California every year. I should say it hasn't been held the last couple of years because of COVID, but as conferences go, it is the best. It is the best. It's in its ninth year, and uh, they have people like Linda Moulton Howe, uh, 
our own Dr. A.V. Loeb. Uh, Graham Hancock has just been announced. And uh, it's it's really, really well done. Uh, it, it's a science. They kind of they kind of focus on a theme of science and and future thinking. It's got a, a, a heavy load of UFO alien material. We kind of venture into that. We're not uh, pushing that away, but that's another area uh, because we're sponsoring. We'll be pulling in between ten and fifteen of their top people in a uh, room to interview them. So we'll be getting the best of the best. So the point I'm trying to make is, and this relates to my guests today, we are constantly on the lookout and working because of my own personal interest, but also your interest to pull in the best, the most interesting, the most innovative and the cutting edge topics when it comes to known and unknown civilizations, off-world types, research data, where have we come from, who were these pre-Diluvian people, what are the hominins, you know the story. I mean, every single week there's questions, and I'm trying to answer some of them for myself as an author, as someone who's an investigator for many, many years, and I get a tremendous amount of emails from you going, Cliff, this is interesting, this is my thinking, this is what I want to know. And I try to address that. Now, obviously, I can't address everything because there's a lot of people listening to this program. We we have on average three hundred thousand to five hundred thousand downloads every month, and it used to be just continental U.S. And then we are sponsored by iHeartRadio, which is kind of international, mostly Europe and the U.S. and and then my network, Stitcher, is an Italian company, and so they're trying to broaden us too. So when I get emails, they're from, they're from everywhere, and I love that, and keep sending emails. And by the way, if you ever want to send me an email, send it to earthancients4u, the number four, the letter U, at gmail.com, earthancients4u at gmail. Dot com and and say hey man I like this show but I got this question or I'd like you to think about this author or by the way I read this article and I think it relates to your show it'd be great to have I love that and I address it and I'd say 90 plus percent of the time I will respond by going hey thanks in fact yes I, I do respond sometimes We'll get somebody who is a little far out, and but I'm respectful to everybody. I mean, God. But my my point here is today, uh, I'm really excited to present some really new research, some really new data uh, in Northern Europe. In fact, this material is coming from Austria, Germany. And let me give you some background on on our program. If you have heard us talk about the hypogeum, uh, the hypogeum, the, the most noted hypogeum is in Malta, the island of Malta off of Italy. What is a hypogeum? A hypogeum literally means underground. And when, when we say underground, the, uh, the, one, the one we've seen, the one we've talked about, I have not personally uh, been there, but I'm hoping to, to visit it one of those days. 
one of these days. Uh, hypogeum is means underground, but it also relates to an, either an underground temple or tomb. Now, most of them that are uh, the most well known are in the neighborhood of two to thirty three hundred BC, which is about five thousand plus years old. Very very old. All of them uh, are carved. They're underground. They're considered subterranean. Uh, some of them you have to go down as much as 30 feet to reach. And they're carved out of solid bedrock. That's the, fir- the most important uh, aspect of them. Now, what conventional science is missing, and we're getting uh, more and more information from people who study acoustic waves, sound, and uh, it's in, it's uh Impression, its effect on the human condition, humans meditating, humans chanting. There's even some suggestions that there there could be some healing going on, but we're not sure. Because we are so right-brained when it comes to analyzing these places, it really appears that we're missing out on a great deal of data. Now, again... So far, what we've found uh, the most famous is uh, the most famous hypogeum is in Malta. There's uh, some in there's there's a small chamber in Saqqara. Uh, so the so the Egyptians knew about this, and uh, there could be suggestions of hypogea, and that's the term hypogea uh, in. Uh, Mayalan or in uh, Mexico. I'm still looking around for those, but apparently they are tombs. And I think there's one in in Tikal, in Guatemala, but they're not as well known as the ones we see in in Europe. So now the real curiosity is how the most famous uh, hypogea Hypogeum uh, in Malta is carved. If you get down and you enter this passageway and you you uh, enter the main temple chamber, you'll notice that there's what they call ribbing, and this means that the design is a relief. In other words, it's cut out and revealed from the bedrock. Why they cut these ribs is a, a huge question, but it's unique to the, the hypogea uh, in Malta. And today, we're going to reveal some new hypogea in Austria, Germany. Now, my guest today is a musician. His name is Gunnar Hipmar, and he... Uh, ran into these a few years ago and has been very, very careful not to uh, expose them to a a large audience. Uh, Apparently, where he is located is in a part of Austria that borders the Czech uh, Republic border. And the area is surrounded by stone geology, uh, and there's a lot of dolmen, there's a lot of Neolithic influence, the Neolithic periods, you know. But there seems to be a huge concentration of 
these underground subterranean hypogea. And I have never heard of this before. I've been studying it for the last couple of weeks. I've been really kind of chopping at the bit to, to let you guys know about it. Uh, but today we are talking about one hypogea that is found underneath a, a home in Austria that has been studied by our guest today, Gunnar, and also has been frequented by uh, a number of local scientists who scratch their heads about it and wonder what it's all about. Now, uh, the one fascinating aspect of this mini hypogea, and I, I'll say mini, it's about a third of the size of the one we see in uh, Malta, is that it has the same configurations, the same uh, interior design, the ribbing. It has what looks like seating between the ribbing. It has what looks like uh, tubular airways that lead underneath and to a smaller chambers, which means that there's some understanding of acoustic waveform. We see this in Malta. There's been a number of scientific research projects uh, addressing Malta's design, but this appears to be the same type of acoustic relief design that we see in Malta. And we're going to hear today about, uh, we're going to hear today on just what is produced when you hum or uh, play a flute or close your eyes and simply meditate. And, and it's, uh, it's a wonderful discovery that I hope we will be able to expand to you, the audience, but also those in the listening group that are scientific or are in that area who want to know more. This is a pretty important discovery. Now, uh, Gunnar has sent me a gallery of photographs and some videos that I am going to post on the Facebook page, on the Instagram page, and they were automatically populate to the earthancients.com if you're abhorrent to uh, uh, social media. But you need to see this chamber, and you need to understand that it is not part of an upper uh, or a ground-based uh, structure. It is carved into the bedrock, and it was found by accident by a homeowner that was doing repairs to his floor. And the floor collapsed, and here was this massive opening that led into this mini Australian hypogeum. So this is our program today. My guest is Gunnar Hipmar, and our program is Hypogeums of Austria. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. 
more than just melatonin. Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Contacted by different people from around the world, looking to, you know, they're sending me data on some of their discoveries. I get photographs uh, each week uh, from different parts of uh, the United States with people holding artifacts. Some people have found caves and uh, reporting unusual petroglyphs. It's always wonderful to see this, and I welcome it. Uh, but occasionally, I get profound discoveries uh, where we have artifacts, ruins, or uh, evidence of extreme antiquity uh, presented. And today, I'm really happy to talk about and, and uh, give you some information on a what can only be considered a subterranean chamber that was found in. Austria, Germany. Now, my guest today is a German research investigator and musician. His name is Gunnar Hiptmar. He is in Austria, uh, Austria. And when he first sent me the images of this chamber, it was shocking. It was shocking because of the amount of carving that was done on the uh, within the bedrock to create these chambers or this one chamber and as it turns out he is in an area where there's a tremendous amount of what looks like a dolmen uh, megalithic stonework from the neolithic uh, period which is roughly about five six thousand years ago today we're going to hear exactly what Gunnar found uh, the details of these uh, chambers. And interesting to note, uh, where this chamber is found, there's other uh, chambers that are similar in design, similar in uh, composition, 
And really, we want to find out what the heck is going on with this. So, Gunnar, hey, welcome to Earth Ancients. Great to have you on the program. Yo, hello, Cliff. I'm I'm very happy to be here, and thanks for this opportunity. And also, welcome to all the listeners, to all the people out there. Very happy to be here today. All right, let's start from the beginning. How did you find this uh, this chamber that was uh, under the house? Was it kind of a local people of the town that you live in knew about this, or did the word get out to to investigators that hey? They had found this uh, this chamber, and uh, the owner wanted people to, to check it out. No, yeah, actually, this, this the story goes like this: We know since many many years that there are underground facilities in Austria and uh, on the on the German side in Bavaria, uh, known since centuries, but not mentioned very often. There was some research in the 1600s, 1800s, you know, some things were documented. And around 1980, 1990, in this time, this was growing, the interest towards these things. Because more and more people were finding some kind of underground facilities uh, below farmhouses. Even sometimes on the field, you know, where there's nothing uh, like settlements or anything like this, they just something collapsed and like with your truck, you you fall into a hole and something like this happens. And they opened these things partially, and they found many many of these underground facilities where we actually know nothing about, you know. And then there is some kind of official uh, research going on. And they also tried to make some time datings when they could have been built and things like this. But I have to be honest, they are all like, they have to, to, to think in their boxes, you know, like these official researchers have to somehow. And so they, uh, compared these findings to, to the usual timelines when they say when this area here in Austria, the most northern part of Austria was inhabited. And this is like 800, 900, 1000 years ago, you know, right. when the settlements were made and stuff like this. You also asked me about castles. Uh, when, when the first castles were built, maybe churches or abbeys and stuff like this. And this is how they connect also these underground facilities. But everyone who's in in this type of research or or in interest even towards these things you you learn how these things look like you know you learn even in europe how things look like when they were built in medieval times and these underground facilities show total different uh uh shapes building style architecture i have to say when it comes to this chamber you were referring to in the beginning we don't have many of these chambers you know there are some most of these underground facilities are not even uh approachable today anymore you can't enter them anymore some of them were closed you know many of them are really situated under a farmhouse one mostly in these villages the oldest house is the one who's sitting above one of these the uh, underground facilities Okay. 
this one where I'm doing my research now, it's not far away from my home. It's like one and a half kilometers away from where I'm actually living. It's also situated under an old farmhouse. The house looks like built in the 16th century, 17th century, maybe I would say. Okay. And, uh, there I, I have some kind of exclusive rights to, to go there. But this chamber was discovered 1988. By the owners or what, what, what were they doing when it was discovered? Were they doing a, uh, a remodeling of a room or what were they doing? Since this is an old farmhouse, uh, where, where you don't have any basement. You know, you only have some kind of fundamental buildings for the walls so that it is stable. They wanted to renew the floor in their living room because there was nothing but uh, uh, earth floor. Oh, like interesting. Today. And on this on this natural floor, there was only wooden support uh, pillars holding the floor, you know, like with wooden boards which they have in their living room. And they wanted to renew this, uh, put some isolation that it's isolated from, from uh, the underground upwards. And so, so they wanted to renew actually only the floor inside the house. And uh, they, they were placing little uh, wooden pillars into the floor to make some, some height, you know, Mm -hmm. to, uh, to make a niveau for the concrete they wanted to place there. And you need to take a hammer and, and bring them into the ground. And on one point, this guy, he's not living anymore, unfortunately today, but his wife is still here. So he, he wanted to drive this little wooden pillar into the floor and the floor collapsed on, on a certain part, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the soil fell down, not far. It was like, 80 centimeters, but there was a hole and it was 1988 when they discovered this. And there, this hole was like, I, I don't know, maybe one meter per one meter. Mm-hmm. And like I said, 80 centimeters deep, you know, so they were curious. What, what is this? You know, and they started to taking out, uh, the, the soil and the filling, let's say the filling material actually. Mm-hmm. And they were digging deeper and deeper and deeper. And this shaft leads down, uh, a vertical two and a half meters, maybe three meters. And then on the sides, actually today you can enter into this uh, chamber. They were taking out all the filling material and they found this chamber, okay. which you pictures you know with all these nice carvings it's not a very big chamber the the main chamber is one meter 20 in height and one meter 50 in in, in diameter okay not, not so big if you see these things on my pictures and videos it even looks bigger since you most of the time you don't have the stuff to compare the size. It looks bigger than what you're describing. How how far under the uh, surface of the floor is it? Is it like 10, 20 feet down or is it very close? It's one and a half, one and a half to two meters below ground, you know? Two meters is uh, three, three oh. uh, about uh, seven or eight feet. Uh, something like this. I, I, okay. I, 
not able to really measure this since the 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 top part of the chamber is reaching a little higher. But yeah. I would say something like this: six, seven, eight feet below ground. So it's not not very deep. So the question I have for you, uh, Gunnar, is a lot of people would just cover that hole up and go, uh, I don't want to expose myself to this. And especially if the hole's in the middle of the floor of their front room. I mean, what the hell are they going to do? Have a big open space. So how did they proceed with the floor? Did they build a trap door? That opens and closes, or what? How did they uh, proceed with the uh, uh, the the repairs? No, actually, it's it's when you when you are considering you you dig it, you're digging down this this vertical shaft for let's say two meters. Then then you would find the entrance to the chamber on on one side. Doesn't matter now if I say left or right, you find this on one side, but even the chamber was full of this filling material. And on the other side, you would, you would see a possible entrance to this system. And then they realized they, they have a basement below the house, a small room. And if you crack a hole into this wall and the wall is like 20 centimeters thick, you know, then you have access to this entrance to this chamber. But they didn't know this before. When they went to their basement before, this is like a little vault, you know. It's also not so high. This is like maybe one meter seventy, this little little cellar which they have. And they would never have this idea to to make a hole in the wall. You know, yeah. you don't have you know? they okay, they actually didn't build the house. They they bought this house in the sixties. Yeah. So know anything about the building. Right. Because this house was built, they surely found this 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 chamber. Right. It's it's possible differently when you see what's going on there today. This this basement was actually destroying part of the chamber back then. And like I said, I think it was like fifteenth, sixteenth century, something like this. But they made a hole then uh in in this basement to to be able to enter into this uh chamber to continue also the the work uh taking out this this filling material and they were able to close on top today you can see this in one of the videos uh shortly when when i'm turning the camera up you can see where this shaft is ending yes. you see the concrete of where like 15 centimeters above there's their living room you know okay so they did this in 1988, and and they they got in there. Uh, how did you find out about it? Yeah, like I said before, uh, there was a time when more research was going on towards these underground facilities. We have a special name here for these things in in Austria. It's called Erdstall, uh, but there is no equivalent to to translate this because you know. This would even go too far to explain what this means. So I, I just say these are underground facilities. And there was lots of stuff going on because we have many of these uh, unknown underground facilities. They all look different. You have seen some pictures. You have seen plan drawings from this old book from 1902, exactly, from from this priest, uh, Father Karner. 
He was also researching this even 100 years ago. And we have lots of these things under, under our surface, you know? Wow. Yeah. It's fascinating because I've never heard of any of them. So let's describe this chamber. Uh, it's cut out of solid bedrock. It's not dirt. It's not any kind of soil whatsoever. Uh, the, the, uh, creators of these cut them in a circular pattern. They're a chamber. Uh, and, and go ahead and describe what we see, uh, inside this, this chamber. Yeah, actually today there are three chambers remaining. Like the one I said, it would be the main chamber, which I would call the resonance chamber itself, mm -hmm. where there are these special carvings also on the wall. Like you have some niches in, in the wall. In this case, you have five chapters where they, uh, were, uh, carving further into the wall, uh, like segments. And then there are two additional, I don't know this, this, this word now in English. There are two additional holes where tubes are leading down into the ground, uh, towards two chambers, which are laying a little bit further below. And they are actually smaller than the, the, the main chamber. So yeah. about the height of, let's say one meter, maybe even 20 or the bigger one. And yeah. Yeah, you should say that you can't really stand in the main chamber. You have to crouch down. So it's maybe, uh, I want to say maybe five and a half feet, which is one and a half meters yeah. in yeah. height. Uh, um, now one of the things my, uh, that I want to mention to you, uh, uh, the listener is that the design of this chamber that Gunnar found and the other one, what we'll talk about a little bit later that's known, is a small version of the hypogeum chamber that we see in Malta. And what's unique about this is that it is ribbed. In other words, there are ribbings that have been designed into the, uh, 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 the walls uh, that are cut in a, such a way that these guys understood uh, acoustics. It's an acoustic chamber of some kind of dimension. We're going to talk about exactly what uh, Gunnar discovered. Uh, and remember he is a musician. And so he's been uh, testing these, these, uh, uh, these chambers with sound and f with music. Um, talk a little bit about the, the carving Gunnar of the, the interior. What, what did you discover on the ceiling, on the walls, on the floor of this chamber of the main chamber? In the main chamber. Yeah. Like I said, you, you, you have these five sections. They, they almost look similar, but they are not perfectly the same. They have a little bit variety in, in dimensions. So I would say, uh, they, they go 15, 18 centimeters, uh, deep and they're all stretching up to the ceiling and they are, they are getting more narrow when they, when they are going up, you know? So for me, it was pretty clear from the very beginning, since I had the chance also to be inside this chamber, you know, and, 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 and hear my own voice. Uh, I, I couldn't even talk 
in this in this volume like like I talk now in this interview I would I would lower my voice to like this you know because everything else would be too loud you you would feel uncomfortable and immediately you can hear that there's something going on with the sound and I think that this it's not so easy to explain you know you've seen the pictures and people would need to see the pictures uh, yeah And by the way, what we're going to do is I'm going to have a small gallery on the Facebook page, which will go, and we'll talk more about this at the end of this interview, but we'll also have a uh, a link t- uh, to a PDF that you can download. But explain it the best you can, and and uh, we can go from there. Mm-hmm. We We have seen things like this several times, I think, all over the world, that there are chambers or underground facilities or even above ground uh, structures which was were used or could have been used for uh, acoustic uh, properties and uh it's like a resonance room and like a diffuser also somehow you know because it's not you don't have this 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 whole sound inside when you talk like when you go in, into a rectangular room which is empty where you have empty walls you know you, you you know this resonance and you can even find this this most resonating tone when you're inside of of one of these rectangular rooms and this would be like you know this this whole this 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 effect you you would even have you don't have this inside of this chamber it's amplifying certain frequencies but it's like a noise gate when we talk in 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 musical terms everyone who knows about recording stuff people know what's a noise gate you put this onto the sound to to stop you know to okay sounds clear you also use this when you make records even you might use this sometimes for interviews like a little bit the compressor or you denoising factor that you don't have these whole effects on the back you don't have this inside because i think this chamber is really made in 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 a shape to do something with the acoustic and okay yeah uh b- before before we get into the 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 sound qualities that you discovered and some of the testing i want you to explain uh first of all uh if it's if it's something that's locals know about did this owner of, of this property uh make an announcement that he had found this this uh this chamber uh how did you be be get befriended by this person and uh, uh now you have a relationship with him and you can kind of come and go as you please but talk about how the word got out about this discovery because obviously 1988 is a long time ago well it's you know over 20 years uh but talk about what led up to your discovery of it yeah back then when when they discovered uh this this specific chamber there was already some kind of research going on around these underground facilities in 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 whole upper austria and bavaria and also Czech Republic in some parts. So when people would find 
accidentally one of these underground facilities below their houses or around their houses, something like this, they would know whom to contact, like from the officials, you know. Uh, when you say officials, was it like a, a state uh, archaeologist who would show up? Yeah, in this case, it's funny that they don't send an archaeologist to to take care of these things because there are already researchers since many years. I know one one of these guys. He's he's doing this since forty five years now, uh, specifically towards these underground facilities where we know almost nothing about, and they they very rarely send archaeologists. This is very interesting, actually. But like I said in the beginning, they, they are having their boxes in which they are like allowed to think. Yeah, they think they're just Neolithic holes in the in the in the ground and there's no big deal. It's like, you know, we find these and then they kind of move on, not really paying attention to the unique carved interiors, that's what you're saying. Yeah, this is you know, most of actually all of the officials say that this any of these underground facilities were built in the medieval times. So they are like 800, 900, maybe, maybe 1000. Oh. <laughs> Their box and forget it. And they don't even look deeper. You know, they, they don't look towards these things like we do today. Okay. The times have changed and you know what, what's going on, let's say in, in, in private research or uh, alternative view of these things. But back then it was like you, you knew when you would find something like this, like you said before, whether you close it up and you, you don't say anything. And this happened many times, unfortunately, you know, because this always, always actually happens when you make some reconstruction on your house or, or when, when outside of your house, you build something additionally where yeah. you have some fundamentals and stuff. So you reach one of these chambers. Some of these people, they never said a word, you know, because they wanted to finish their building. They're not interested in ancient stuff or anything, you yeah. know, normal good people, whatever. They just, they didn't say a thing. Yeah. And this, and this is the point you need to have some kind of interest, you know, yeah. even back then, this is now like 40 years ago. Uh, you need to have interest to, 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 take this filling material out to preserve what you found, you know, other people, some of them, they, they threw their garbage into these holes and they closed it. Wow. You know, yeah. weird happened, really. But okay. Back then it was, there were some official uh, parts which you could uh, contact. They would come. And there was this guy, uh, Josef Weichberger is his name. Really nice guy. You know, my, I, I, I know him and he's, he's, he was always doing a real great job. He made all the plan drawings, you know, sketches, uh, compared to the plan of the building and everything. But this was what you did back then in, in 1988. You can't, if you wanted to say something, you don't just go to the public. You, you, you knew you have to call someone from the officials. They would come, they would investigate, they would take a look, they would measure make this plan drawings. It was even published. You know, we had some, some booklets back then uh, about our homeland research and stuff, which were published every year or some, some of them every, every sixth month. 
something like this. And this is where you could find these things even today. You can find this online. You know, there are archives. You can take a look how many things were documented. It's so funny you mentioned that because I, until I uh, heard from you, I've never I would realize that in uh, Germany on the border close to Czech, Czechoslovakia, there's these, these uh, underground chambers. Um, let me ask you, is there, has there been any petroglyphs found, any writing, uh, any, any, uh, uh, symbology in these chambers that is identifiable? Unfortunately, not. Uh, in, in most of these underground, uh, facilities we found in Upper Austria, uh, I don't know how I can explain how, how big or, how small Upper Austria is. This, this district is one part of Austria. But in this area, we, we have around 400, 450 documented underground facilities. Not, not all of them are still visible. You, you can't go there. 450 of these chambers? Across the, the border to Bavaria from, from my place here, if I would go 20 kilometers to its north to Bavaria from, from my Austrian side here, there are 450 in addition. You know, there are, oh there's, my God. It's not, it's just, it, it didn't, it did never really come to, to international. Uh, I didn't surf. know any of this. You know, it's so funny when you say that because you have sent photos of, uh, of megalithic stones in this area. Uh, you know, and some of them actually are dolmen where they, the people put a bo- put a roof on two standing stones and made it kind of a, a marker in a way. We don't know if that marks an energy under the ground or just a, hi, we're here. We are ancient people and we knew how to work with stones. <laughs> dolmen are very, very strange. Okay. Let's get into. Uh, some specifics as a musician and understanding acoustic technology. Now, one of the things that the hypogeum, which is a monstrously large underground structure in, in uh, the island of Malta, is that whoever built it understood uh, sound frequencies and, and it's been recorded and uh, measured and um analyzed uh, according to today to today's uh, acoustic technology that it was able to uh, drop down uh, people's consciousness into a very deep meditative state uh they think that it could have been used for uh emotional physical healing of some kind and then there's some people that step beyond the current paradigm of science and say uh, uh, that they believe that the hypogeum in the, the underground chambers uh, chamber was used for communication of some kind. And this could have been quieting the mind and sending thought forms using this resonance uh, because there's crystal quartz in the hypogeum. And quartz is a transducer, transmitter uh, that uh, we use in our computers, but they believe that... Uh, Somehow the energy behind the thought form was picked up in these chambers and used to communicate. We don't know how. So I'd like to hear from you, Gunnar, your beliefs on these many chambers, which look to me 
like a small version of the hypogeum in this ribbing and interior design. So w- what what have you found as as a acoustic person, somebody who's a musician, and what kind of testing have you done? Yeah, f- first of all, I would I would like to say I I don't want to talk about my beliefs because this this would go too far. I can talk about what we found out. You know what 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 I can also prove and what has been found out from other researchers in regard of these things. Because the stories, like what you said now from Malta, uh, some, some of the researchers here, they even go further. You know, they say that it could be possible that these chambers were also used for dematerialization and transporting this stuff from one place to the next. You know, Interesting. It, I, know yeah. this is, I know this is a, a, a borderline, uh, stories, what we are talking about here. And this is something we can't really prove yet. You know, there are some stories, okay, which would also imply that there, you know, it could be possible that some really strange things go, are going on. But what we know, and this is proven, uh, the underground facilities, especially the resonance chambers, are always situated above a quartz vein, which is running below this facility. Hmm. Second point is that always two of these underground facilities are connected with one of these quartz veins running below. You know, this guy, uh, Dietrich Mateschitz, the, the boss and owner of Red Bull, he was actually investigating also into these things and he, he made these proofs. He made drillings next to these facilities to, to find out and to prove if this story is true that they are situated uh, on top of a quartz vein and that they are connected. And he was able to prove this. At least wow. 80% of these uh, chambers, underground chambers of facilities or tunnels, whatever we find here, is actually really situated on top of a quartz uh, vein. And uh, around 70% he could prove that always two of these facilities are connected. And like you said before, it's very important to consider quartz and all his qualities. You know, it's not just the electro piezoelectric effect. He can transport electricity. He can transport light. I'm sure that he can also do this with sound, maybe inaudible sounds, you know, because we are very limited in, in, in our perception of sounds, uh, according to what is there, we can really hear only a few percent of what's, what's actually available in sounds. Mm-hmm. And what's very interesting in regard of the underground facilities and also the resonance chambers here in Austria, Bavaria, Czech Republic, and on some other places, uh, is the huge amount of quartz in the walls, you know, yeah. because you only find these facilities in, in, in granite and sandstone and flints is this called in German. I don't know the English term for this stone, but always stones which contain a, a huge amount of quartz, you know. Okay. I think this is one of the, one of the most important things why these things were built there. 
we we still don't know how old they are and who built them and for really for what purpose but like i said when i entered this chamber the first time this has been years ago uh i immediately had this this kind of uh impression that there's something going on with the sound but i didn't start investigating into this back then you know i really started going deeper let's say a year ago you know to to really t say you know now i i heard so many other stories from all around the world uh in regard of this kind of resonance chambers and i'm very interested in in resonance since i'm a musician and i'm also working with healing frequencies uh solfeggio frequencies or things like this 432 hertz compared to 440 you know we know these things today that the standards were set in the 50s to take uh some of the benefits away from us where, where are you talking about a uh, human's residence the 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 gaia's uh, uh uh frequency of the earth this is also part of this but this is a very very big field of of uh of research you know you you yeah. can't like you say you're 432 or this 7.86 or anything these are just numbers you know when we talk about frequencies we have billions of them and every single frequency is is uh good for something we are really just starting and there's already a lot of stuff where you can investigate many people were investigating and finding out things about frequencies in the last 50 maybe 100 years you know but this is such a broad field i just found out that there there is always uh, a reference tone i would say for for all of these chambers and this reference tone is always circling around this 432 hertz maybe a little bit lower maybe a little bit higher you know We're going to take a short commercial break and we will return with my guest coming from Austria, Germany, and his uh, discovery of hypogea in his backyard. Just amazing. We'll be right back. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. My guest today is Gunnar Hipnar. He is coming to us from Austria, Germany. And he has really revealed a cluster of the subterranean hypogea chambers in his native Austria. Yeah, when when I when I uh saying when I'm talking about reference tone, I would say this is something you can also I think everyone experienced this once in a while. Like I said before, when you enter a bigger room with empty walls, a rectangular room, you might experience that there is one tone which is which is uh, being reflected louder than all the others. I think many people experience this already. When you go to a big bathroom, you know, with lots of empty walls around, there's one tone which resonates more than the others, you know, which vibrates stronger. This is what I would even call uh, the reference tone of, of uh, every single room has one tone. Yeah. When, when you go down, you just try a little if there is too much interior it doesn't really work so good but if these are empty rooms you you could hear this what what uh, uh, tone would fit best to the geometry or to the size of the room and this is the same inside of these chambers you can find this i i don't know if i sent you these files where you can hear this uh I can send you something. Uh, yeah, send us send us some some of your test files. So so let me understand. So you're in these chambers. You're talking normally, yeah. and the chamber is designed in such a way that it is reflecting this sound that's coming out of your voice and shifting the frequency somehow. There is a specific frequency when when the the chamber reacts the most, you know, especially in these these two tubes who are leading down. There are two tones. One one I, the second one I'm not so sure quite yet because I didn't really find the right tone. But in 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 the uh, one of these tubes when I then it's very interesting for me because this would be the 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 same tone as my voice uh produces when i'm really relaxed and when i'm really talking in my in in non uh amplified voice like like this now this is 433 in my case this is uh when when we compare this with with a scale and in this tone the 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 resonance chamber really starts 
doing something like it's amplifying you know and 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 it's 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 really amplifying this kind of frequency and above these frequencies you can always place others you know this is some kind of harmonic scale you you have one tone which is the real resonance tone of of this room and we know already that most of these ancient let's call them ritual chambers or healing chambers or things like this they they always have this basic tone the basic frequency of around 432 hertz let me stop you real quickly so you've actually measured the hertz uh coming out with your equipment yes uh okay okay things already uh, the research is still going on. The testings are still going on. We are testing voices, different, uh, instruments. I will have lots of nice, uh, dates in the future with interesting people who are also into this. Uh, but we found out some things so far. And I've got a really good friend of mine. He's, he's researching in, in, on the Giza plateau, <laughs> especially below the Giza plateau. Since many, many years, his name is Richard Gabriel. Maybe you know him from Facebook. That, that name sounds familiar, yeah. You should really have a look into what he's doing. This is a really great guy. And you know, since he's spending lots of time on the Giza Plateau, he was also inside of the pyramid, you know, especially the King's Chamber of the Great Pyramid. And he told me that uh, I've sent him some sound files from my recordings and testings. And he confirmed to me that this is the exact same frequency as we find in the King's Chamber and the Great Pyramid in Giza. These are things we know already, you know. And I just say we can't prove these things. Maybe we will never be able to prove this, but I think this there's this is no coincidence. This is no accident that uh, these facilities are wake, uh, working on the same basic frequencies. Okay. So let, let's talk a little bit about your impressions. Now, we don't know at this point, at least I don't have any data on the frequencies for biological healing. In other words, somebody has a disease process. It could be cancer. It could be arthritis. It could be digestive problem. It could be uh, uh, a variety of physical conditions. Uh some people believe that the supposed Atlantinians used piezoelectric frequencies for healing the body, healing the mind. In fact, they were so so sophisticated that they actually could uh, heal the spirit, whatever that means. Um, I'm curious to know, and you may not be able to tell me this, uh, Gunnar, but you may know from uh, from intuition that Using or or creating a certain uh, uh, resonance of sound in one of these chambers changes you on a cellular level. It might be during a meditation. Your meditations are deeper, or you feel better uh, if you're having a, you don't feel good on a certain day, or perhaps you can tell us about a case where somebody went into one of these chambers and had a healing. Of some kind. So talk a little bit about some of the healing frequencies of these, of these, uh, uh, of perhaps the specific chamber, but maybe generally where you live in Austria, 
you know, the, the local people know that these are great for healing. I'm not sure. I'm just kind of throwing that out. <laughs> yeah, it is, it's, 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 it's very nice, but I have to say, uh, the local people and also the written historical records and whatever we might have from the past are not talking a single word about this. Wow. Okay. People are, people in our area would be, many people are still too afraid to go and have a look inside of these facilities because since since a few hundred years, you know, the church started telling people that the devil's sitting there and waiting for you to come. It could be witchcraft involved. Uh, any 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 weird stuff you can imagine, you know. Yeah. It's actually another researcher in, in, in Austria, Dr. Heinrich Kusch, he even found documents from the 16th century where the church orders uh, to close all these underground facilities. And also, interestingly, they say we have to stop trading with the people who are living underground. You know? Oh, yeah. And since this time, they, they are starting to, to draw a very dark picture over any kind of underground facilities and also megalithic structures or remands of, of ancient structures which you can't really identify anymore, but they are all named after the devil. You know, this is like devil's church yeah. and devil's powers. And which devil's is typical of the church. Whatever is unknown, they, uh, uh, it's evil. And yeah. any kind of vibrations are the devil's work. So that's going on today, huh? Yeah, and I'm 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 actually sure that they not the people today don't know these things anymore. Also, the people who are priests today they don't know these things anymore. But okay. back then, they started uh, placing these spells on these places. They knew exactly that most of these places are actually beneficial for us. You know, so today we have no stories from the people and. Uh, like I said, my research or my, my deeper investigation just started a few months ago. So I, I can't give you a really example of healings uh, because there is nothing there. There's, okay, there's, it's too soon. It's too soon. I started giving some guided meditations for friends, you know, not for any public people yet to, to gain more insight and personal experiences. Also for myself, I do my own stuff, but it's very tricky if I just talk about my own experiences because this could always be a makeup, you know. People could always say, yeah. you're, you're, I, I'd you're, still like to hear from you, Gunnar. I'd like to hear your personal experiences. And uh, we know that you're going to continue to do research on this and other local chambers. But I'd just be curious because, you know, that that those chambers – are not random. No. They were cut in a certain way. Those ribs are cut to do something with the sound, the acoustics. So uh, tell us what, tell us what you can tell us what you feel comfortable about expressing. How's that? This is good. Yeah. Uh, what, what I can say is, uh, since you asked me before, uh, about this healing stuff again, and and you you said uh, physical issues or mental. 
I would have to say in first place that we are talking about different frequencies again. You know, you can do many things with these chambers. You know, this, my, my field of, of, uh, uh, imagination would go from astral journey, guided meditations, astral, uh, guided astral travels, you know, when someone knows what, what he has to do, what kind of music or sing, a song he has to sing or voice he has to use, you can do so many things. Uh, you just need different frequencies for mental process or physical process. This is what, what I'm sure. And there's lots of stuff going on also in the modern world. You know, when it comes to frequency healing, many, many, many people have been investigating and really f doing great stuff with this already. We have to take all these things into consideration what other people found out with what kind of instruments or what kind of uh, singing you use. You know, there is this technique with throat singing, this very deep stuff. You can also use this overtone singing, the, the higher uh, frequencies. And there is such a big range what we can even produce with our own voice. And this is what I actually think, in, in especially in my chamber, in first place, I would say people were working there with their own voice because you don't have much place. You don't have place for big instruments. You don't have place for many people inside this chamber. Even when you are there with two people, you know, it's too narrow. You would even disturb the, 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 the resonance room, you know, the acoustic properties, the qualities when you would fill this room with people. So I would say there was one person call it a shaman or a, a druid or a priest or whatever you like to call it. There, there were people even in the past knowing, you know, knowing what to do. And I think that especially in, in ancient times, the, uh, the society was different. These things were used also for normal people yeah. to help them, guide them on their, on their way, on their, uh, wishes for development you know they would provide these things come you have to undergo a preparation you know you have to go through a long time of fasting and mental and physical cleaning before they would let you come because you need to be prepared right i'm into uh, philosophy since many 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 years you know this know thyself or at least try or get to know thyself uh, this, this story, this is very important for me because this is what I connect to these chambers. And once you step into this field of possibilities, you have so many of them. Like I said, if someone is, is already gone a little further, you can guide him on an astral travel, on an astral projection, you know, because it's good to have someone with you. It's today we can all learn these things by, by ourselves, you know, and do this and, watch this YouTube video and go to this course. But back then there were people who were really good knowing people. They were working there. Let, I just take this term, like say priest, druid or whatever, healer working with this specific chamber. He knew all the properties. He knew all the sounds. He knew what he has to do when, when your stomach hurts or your head hurts or you have a bleeding wound you know, 
We have stories from from even the, the the tribal people today, from these indigenous people. Like take Australia, take North America, South America. You know, they still know how to heal things. Yeah, and listen to their music. Take yeah. a look to their instruments, like a didgeridoo or bone flutes or stuff like what what they use. Easy, easy, small stuff, and you can create this this frequency band, and yeah. they knew exactly what to do, what to sing when someone is sad, you know, like the, like even the bards and the druids in, in, in Celtic times, they knew three versions of music, you know, the one who makes you happy, the one who makes you sad, and the one who sends you to sleep. You know, these were the three. I'm so let me ask you, uh, as, a, as a musician, Gunnar, have you done any tests using specific musical instruments like the guitar or a flute. Uh, we talked about the voice and and that frequency, but have you used any musical instruments in these chambers? Uh, I was playing recently with the guitar. Uh, already tuning to the frequency we know resonates the most inside. It works really nice, but I, I really doubt that they were playing with the guitar in this chamber. Yeah, it's pretty, especially the Neolithic period. <laughs> it's still great to sit there and, and play because, yeah, the, the acoustic properties and qualities of this chamber, they, they make sound, the, the sounds, the guitar sounds so great, you know. Okay. It, this is, uh, we made some sounds with this, uh, chaw drums, you know, uh, Oh, the mouth, the mouth, uh, instrument. Yeah. Chaw drum or chew drum. There are different names. This, this is something I can imagine, but I would need to, to get some, uh, instruments, which would be like from our area. I will get some of them from a guy from, uh, Hungary. He's, he's doing these things or this other guys in, in uh, Slovakia, actually, he's building these things. I tried a little bit with flutes, but for this, uh, most of the, the testings will come. I met a very interesting guy. Actually, Klaus Donner made this connection for me with, with, uh, Alexander Horsch. He's from Hungary also. Uh, I can send you some links to, to videos. He was traveling the world many, many years. Uh, to, to many native tribes, taking a look what kind of instruments they use and what kind of music they play. We will meet here. We will also make some testings. He's playing on overtone flutes. He's playing on bone flutes, which he, most of them, uh, is, is building by himself. So we are really, uh, we intend to try, uh, ancient instruments. As, as much as we can, you know, not, not the modern stuff. We will also take modern equipment into the chamber. We will take some kind of uh, sound generator, uh, which is able to produce specific sounds. You know, whenever you play with your voice or with an instrument, you have again a frequency band. Yeah. It's not like just one. So I need a, a sound generator who is able to just produce one singular sound. And we will circle this even, you know, to, to see what, what 
difference it might be when you is projected into this and that and that direction. But these things are just about to start now. Yeah, you're just beginning your um, research. Yeah, I understand that. Um, I will- talk if you can, Gunnar, talk if you can about any meditations you've done in this, this one chamber. And, uh, I mean, we briefly talked about out of body experience. I, I have been in certain rooms that were designed acoustically to enhance meditation. And I have gotten to the point in some of these, uh, I'll call them retreats where you go away, you fast for a day or you eat a very, uh, specific diet 24 hours before you start meditating, which helps the meditation. It helps it get stronger or whatever. Can you talk a little bit about any meditative states that you've been in, in these chambers and what you experienced? Yeah, I can. And since you mentioned this uh, one day fasting before you go, this is what I would offer my, my friends or Maybe I can call them clients who, who would go with me there for guided meditations. I would mm-hmm. at least say one day of fasting. When I would do my, my own stuff for my own experiences, I would fast a week. Uh, if you go further, you should, you could even do this longer. You know, it always depends on the kind of ritual or experience you want to have. Uh, it's, it's great experience once you you have the chance to just go inside of this chamber sit there for a while you know uh, like settle in the place and try to you don't even have to try hard to turn your thoughts off this even this happens by itself after a while and then you can meditate in your own way whatever you like but I, I I made this experience that this chamber really interacts with you. And this, this is one point which makes me really sure that in the past also these things were, were done inside of these chambers, like meditations or guided, whatever, you know, always, I think it was always under guidance. You, you didn't go there alone. There was a guide. Uh, or a keeper, a watcher, or any anyone who took care of uh, the chamber and what happened there. But I'm sure since Quartz is also uh, memorizing or recording or storing information, also from our mental level, not just like when you put it there, like we do in our computers with with electricity or whatever. Uh, I think he can do this on a conscious consciousness level. With our mental uh, capabilities, we could even contact. So all the memories which are stored inside of the granite, inside of the quartz crystal, inside of the walls of these chambers, they will find a connection to you. But it's it's really connected to you, to your programming, to your maybe even uh, DNA codes or i don't know these things you know we don't know these things but we heard so many times that there is a, a codex in in your dna and also in the frequency of your thoughts and this is how you attract things you know law of resonance uh things and i i really found 
as my own experience that this chamber really interacts with you. You know, she, she gives you the time to settle and she will only feed you with this kind of information you are capable to handle. But still you have to be aware that when you go inside of chambers like this, you are dealing with both sides of the energies. Let's say the good and bad, which what we would say, angels and demons, you know, uh, I'm not a light worker, you know, if, if I would choose a name for what I'm doing here on this planet, I'm a balance worker, trying to find the balance in between the two extremes. But you will meet both qualities of energy inside of this chamber. She's not going to do you any harm. So this is my experience. She's not going to throw you into some kind of weird uh, nightmares or anything. But also with my clients, sometimes I make this experience that this, this, the second energy is also there, you know, the darker side of yourself. And I would even say sometimes that this, this dark entity or this darker energy or whatever you want to call it is, is there to take care that you'd take care of also your darker side, you know, because People today, they, they tend to, oh, I only, only see the positive, only strive towards the light, blah. This is, you know, dangerous yeah. <laughs> in my And this is something I really experience inside. Even when I sit there and, and be, when I'm alone there, you have to be able to handle both energies. It's mm. easy when I make guided meditations or when I'm there with people uh, or clients or friends because I can take care of this. And this is something the, where, why I said in the past there was also someone taking care of what's going on there because this little chamber, she's a really small, tiny little thing, but she's very powerful and you yeah. need where what you do you you can't just go there like for fun and do some weird things you might regret this. so you have to have an intention i intend this to happen you have to set up a program in your brain and that resonance is uh kind of the the code that this chamber accepts and then you begin your meditation process and then we don't know what happens let me just ask you as we're getting close to the end of our interview uh Gennard, I'm a meditator for 30 years and some days it's just, it's just right. And I go very deeply and I have a, it's, it's a, it's a healing that meditation. I only meditate for 20 minutes twice a day. Can you talk a little bit about any meditations you've done in this chamber where you may have gone really, really deep and maybe accidentally left your body <laughs> you know some people have that happy you know i i've i've actually had you know i don't want to call them astral travel experiences but it was so deep it was like i wasn't aware of my body anymore i don't know if the, what that's called but i'm just curious if this chamber uh produced profound meditative states for you to be honest, uh, I never dared 
to do so. Um, I, I, I still have too much respect of what, what, what could happen. You know, I'm not afraid. I, I, I did these things outside of the chamber several times and I, I, I can take care of myself in this kind of state. You know, I'm not afraid, but something, how should I say? It? Yeah. I, I would say I'm not yet prepared for this to do this inside. Oh, so you, you're getting us an, an, an intuitive sense that this is a machine that was created by our ancestors. And these guys really knew what they were doing when they carved this thing. And it's a serious, you don't screw around. You, you, you when you're in there, you, yeah, I mean, I, I would be curious. Well, you're picking up on it intuitively. You're telling me right now, you're like, I haven't done a meditation because I don't know what this gonna what's gonna happen. <laughs> I, and I don't mean to laugh at you. I, uh, I, I'm just laughing because I think it's wonderful that you have found this chamber, and you're telling me intuitively, Gennard. You're saying, I suspect that this is a a device that really can go to work on 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 my physical mental and spiritual bodies so we'll have to have you back when you do your first meditation uh and, and hear exactly what happened it it's it's pretty exactly what what i think about this yeah and since i have been there several times now let's say in in not very deep meditative state at least I can say what, what this, what this chamber is doing to me when I'm not going too deep, you know, even when I'm there giving this guided meditation, there's a special guided meditation I give to, to good friends, which is leading them to the holes of almond tea. This is a guided meditation, which lasts, it, it takes an hour to finish. You know, this is pretty long. Actually, you're long in this state. You're long in, in, yeah, let's say below the, the pyramids of Giza where Thoth built this Amenti halls and everything like this. You go through all these different things. You meet different entities there. Uh, and I'm only the guide, you know, taking the people there, bringing them back. But it's, it's intense enough what happens to me, especially the next few days. Also after this kind of session, the, the, this, this kind of amplified creativity I have, you know, my, my, my thought chains, my thought patterns are completely changed, especially the next few days after I spent these two hours, uh, you know, with everything preparation and when you leave. And we also found out, or I found out that when I, when I'm there, I'm, I'm coming there with my friend. It takes a little while, you know, to really settle, to, come down to the place and then once in a while we start this meditation which leads around an hour and then after this hour the, the meditation itself is finished and up to this moment everything's totally fine you know you have a temperature of around 15 degrees centigrade you know it's it's comfortable it's not cold it's actually the same temperature summer and winter and when we finish the meditation, I, I would really say the chamber gives you a few more minutes, you know, to come back from the meditation and 
talk a little bit about what happened. And then you can really feel, I never measured this. Now I, I, I'm not sure if I will ever, but from my feeling, she's like in a refrigerator, turning the temperature down, you know, the temperature drops a few degrees, just that it gets uncomfortable enough. Like she's saying, you know, it's time to leave. <laughs> okay. I love that. Doesn't do this when when I'm spending hours there for researching, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Things and she's okay. She's not doing this, but when we go deeper into this, there is a moment when she says, "Okay, now it's time to go. Take care of your stuff and go." Wow, amazing! Uh, my guest has been Gunnar uh, Hipnar. He is coming to us from Austria, Germany. He has uh, graciously given me some information that I'd like to pass on to you, the listener. The first thing is, if you want to see this chamber, if you want to see Gennar's work, he and his girlfriend have a YouTube channel. It's a, a Tegu Experience. I'll spell it for you. T-A-G-U-E. Oh, no, wait. T-A-G-U and then an experience is the is the site. And I got to tell you, he's done a very good job of showing this early discovery. Uh, and then there's some other similar chambers that are in the general vicinity of this uh, one that he found, the subterranean chamber. And he's also sending me a PDF file, a document that you can download. Uh, it's a 60-page uh, document. You can find it on the Earth Ancients Facebook page. I'll post it, uh, make it available to you. And I'm also going to post a small gallery of this chamber that we have been talking about that he's been using that will also be on the Facebook page that you can look at the detail. I I can't wait for you, Gennar, to uh, come back on the program and talk to, about your meditative experiences <laughs> personally, personally, because, you know, I think that you probably can do a lot of out of bat, what they call astral travel out of your body. So you leave your body and you can probably go and, and do some amazing stuff. Plus, and we just don't have time to, to talk any more about this because our time is up. These chambers were likely some form of communication chamber where one person can go and send their thoughts to another part of the world and, an acquaintance, a uh, fellow experiencer can communicate with you on some level. So, you know, here we are talking about these uh, ape people, these uh, Neanderthals, these uh, early, early hunter-gatherers, but these people were so in touch with the earth that they had a technology, a sacred technology we don't even understand today. So uh, before I let you go, uh, give us the i mean i gave everybody the um the youtube channel do you want to uh i think that was it right we had you had if somebody wants to contact you they can do it through your facebook page what's your facebook page again uh you you find tagu experience also on facebook we have a facebook page or okay. with my name it would be gunnar hiptmeier like you can see in the in the description 
what Cliff is doing today. Uh, you can find me over Cliff's, uh, Cliff's profile. Uh, I think we need to prepare something because, uh, yeah, it's not, I'm not so prepared yet. I, I have a website, yeah, but this is not really up to date since I'm too much into the field research. I'm not this really. Exactly. Exactly. So. There's lots of more more stuff around my area and also fellow researchers. It's not about me in all the story. And we will find a way. People will find a way. At least they can contact you or they can they can see stuff on your Facebook uh page also. And we will find a way that people can have a look into what we are doing now. Yeah. And yeah, I, I wanted to ask you uh, real quickly, this PDF download that you are, uh, is 60 pages. It's got photographs. It's got information uh, that you provided. Is your is your email address on that uh, document? On, okay. on the end of the document, you find all, all the contacts you need. Uh, I just have to say, we've been talking almost only about the resonance chamber. This is not inside of, of, of this written document because this is about another area here. Uh, the, the written uh, story about the resonance chamber is just in progress. You know, it, I yeah, it's a recent discovery. Yeah. Just going on. This is my first part. Uh, yeah. It's, it's really a bigger story. The whole area here. Where, where I'm living in Austria and it's, you know, now is the time that, that we publish what we found. There's going to be a meeting for, uh, at least German speaking researchers and interested people, uh, on the end of May here in Austria, which I organized. Uh, we are starting to, to go more public with the things we found. Like I said, in the beginning, a real good friend of mine is Mr. Klaus Donner. He's also working together with us. And some other people you might even know from around the world who are uh, going deeper and deeper into our past, which is not documented yet. And we try to do our best, and we will share what we find out. Many wow. thanks, Cliff, for this opportunity. Many, many, many thanks for this great uh, hour now. Yeah, like you said, we don't have enough time to cover all things, so maybe we will be back once. We definitely want to have you back, Gunnar, because uh, and I want to thank you for being so open about this uh, this new discovery of yours and your ongoing research. Because I imagine that uh, in a year from now, if we have you back on the program, you're going to be able to tell us some pretty amazing stories about some of the meditations and experiences you've had so hey thanks for joining me it's been real fun so, and uh continued success and um uh thank you for being again so open to to uh uh allowing us to understand what you've discovered so thanks again you're very welcome everything is fine i really like to share this and i have to say thanks for this opportunity thanks to the listeners too thanks people i wish you all a great time 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I really appreciate Gennar coming out and telling us what he has discovered really letting us know the details. And you can really see work that was done by the Neolithic builders of carving in solid rock, carving out these these chambers, these subterranean chambers that uh, he is talking about in this interview. Again, you're going to be able to see them on Earth Ancients Facebook, Earth Ancients Instagram, and I'll have them also available on earthancients.com under Facebook feed. So there you go. You'll be able to see all of that. This is not something that – it's funny because he says it's been known about for hundreds of years. I've never heard about it. Uh, I have people in Europe that have never heard about it. I doubt even somebody is uh, uh, intimately involved in these types of uh, underground chambers like Hugh Newman has heard about this because he would have mentioned it to me. So it's been qu- kept quiet for so many years. It's strange that it's now coming out uh, at this point. But uh, I would like to go and, and experience that uh, as a someone who meditates to see if it has certain properties when you quiet your mind and you, and you uh, close your eyes and eliminate uh, interference. So... Fascinating. Hypogea in Austria, Germany. I want to mention that I have been posting a number of uh, images from a book called Las Petiti and the Non-Human Remains of Nazca. The author is research investigator uh, Thierry Jamin. He is a French archaeologist who lives in Peru Uh, I've been kind of hinting about this book for a while. I've been wanting to interview him because there's a great deal here that we know about uh, simply because Gaia and uh, Melissa Tittle, who we've had on the show, who is a former producer for Gaia, spent a considerable amount of energy and money uh, producing a series on these mummies that were found in Nazca caves that are hybrid humans perhaps alien. We just don't know. There's the, the thinking is still out on exactly what they are. But I have published a number of images of these mummies, these alien-like mummies uh, that have three fingers and three toes, and you got to check it out. Uh, I, Like I said, I, I, he's not available. He uh, doesn't speak English, but his book is in English. And it just came out, and I've got to tell you, the photographs in this book are fascinating. Not only does he uh, present the MRI scans of these three-finger, three-toed beings, and I want to say alien, but they could be hybrids. That's fascinating, but also we see evidence of what is termed the gray aliens in here, mummified heads of these aliens. I mean, you can't, there's nothing else you can compare them to. 
they're, they're, they're reminiscent of the gray aliens we hear about. And to this day, I don't know anyone who's got a, a skeleton or any remains of any gray aliens. And so I'm going to continue to post this, but I promised theory that I would let people know about this book. It's been published by Adventures Unlimited, and you can go to Amazon. And I just got my copy about a week, well, I'd say 10 days ago. And, you know, it's fairly well written. It's it's uh, translated from uh, French. Uh, but I'll tell you, not only is it interesting in the fact that these alien hybrids are featured, but there's a number of of uh, artifacts that were found in these caves that are very curious. Some are metal-infused plaques, metal on some form of ceramic. There are uh, vitri uh, vitrified sections of earth, like some high heat melted them. There are photos of the various uh, physicians from South America and uh, a couple of the uh, Russian scientists who came out uh, to support Gaia's uh, series. But the photographs alone are quite amazing. And I am, I'm going to publish a few more images of the mummified gray heads because they're so, they're so close. Uh, they're, they're excellent close-ups and it really tells the story. So if you've been wondering what happened to the whole three-finger, three-toe uh, aliens that were found in the Nazca caves, this book is kind of a conclusion. And it is really much more of a uh, research piece of work uh, rather than Gaia's uh, videos, which is, tends to be stilted on one side. The other person who is uh, mentioned quite prominently in this book is the Mexican reporter Jaime Masson. And Jaime reports on not only the aliens, but he brought uh, down to... Uh, Peru, a couple of other physicians that did some independent research that is quite startling. So if you want to know if these are uh, fakes or not, this book kind of puts it to rest simply because the MRIs are very detailed, very accurate. And at this point, these beings are real. So again, the title of the book is Los Petiti and the Non-Human Remains of Nazca. And I'll spell that for you. It's Los Petiti, P-A-I-T-I-T-I, -T -I -T -I, and the non-human remains of uh, Nazca. Theory Jamin, J-A-M-I-N, and um, just came out. This is uh, <laughs> it's quite fascinating. So check it out. And uh, I really, again, I really wish I could have had him on the program, but he doesn't speak English. So there you go. Hey. Earth Ancients does tours. We're about to uh, launch our Grand Egyptian tour. That's May 2nd through the 14th. We got a handful of spots left. Uh, you know, we want to stick around 30, 35 at the most. So we have one bus, one group that can get it in and out of these ruins. This is an amazing tour. Uh, we see the beautiful pyramids, temples, remains of an a beautiful ancient society. But we all see we also see the anomalies. We see one thousand ton statues of Ramses that uh, really makes us question that they were done by a hand. 
the amount of machining marks that are identified by the engineer Christopher Dunn are outstanding. We're going to be making a special tour. I've actually asked Mohammed to take us to this museum just outside of Saqqara. It is in Memphis. It's what they call an outdoor museum. And in this museum is the largest freestanding megalithic sculpture of Ramsey II that's ever been carved. It's on its back. Its twin is at the entrance of the new billion-dollar Grand Egyptian Museum in Cairo. That's not open yet, but this is a spectacular look at at the genius of the pre-dynastic carving industry, if you want to call it that. There is no way that this was carved by human hands. And when you see it, and by the way, when I get back, I will post photographs of this thing. It is a monster. 1,000 tons. It's about 35 feet tall. And it is gorgeous. I'm an artist. I am uh, have training as a sculptor. I have seen numerous photographs up, up close. And I am just chomping at the bit to see it up close and personal. <laughs> if I could touch it, I would. Of course, you can't touch anything like these ancient relics, artifacts. So that's just one part of this wonderful tour. We're going to see the pyramids. We're going to venture in uh, the red and the bent pyramid. We're going to see the uh, Cheops pyramid all personally without the general public. We're also going to see a lot of temples. And it's just 12 days of wonderful, wonderful venture exploration Uh, And I can't tell you enough, this is a tour not to miss. For more information, go to earthancients.com forward slash tours and register. What you got to do is send us your deposit and we can help with payments. But this is not to be missed. Uh, I don't think we're going to be able to hold the price uh, in the future. So if you can get out with us, come out and join us. It is one not to miss. All right, I also want to mention that we have a new tour in November. It's a one-weeker. It's with Dr. Edwin Barnhard. We are going to Mexico. It is the ancient Maya of Tabasco and Chiapas. It's November 10th through the 17th. We meet in Verahomosa, and from there, it is exploration. We will be in Olmec land, and then we go to Palenque, and I've been wanting to go to Palenque for a long time. That is, again, uh, we're filling up pretty quickly. We're only going to take about 20 people, so we're halfway full. So come on, get on to registration, earthancients.com forward slash tours. And I'll be talking more about that. We just heard it from Ed last week. And I'll tell you, that is, a, I mean, I'm really excited. I've been doing Mexico for years, but this one is really, really excited because Ed surveyed Palenque, and he's going to take us into some fascinating temples that the general public don't get to see. So come out. Come out and join us, earthancients.com forward slash tours. If you had a chance to see Ancient Apocalypse on Netflix, you know what uh, an important series that was. I got a better one for you. Graham Hancock's going to be 
keynote speaking at the Contact in the Desert conference, uh, June 1st through the 4th. He'll also be doing a lecture at that program. This is by far the best of its kind for ancient civilizations, known and unknown. Also, we got a little bit of uh, ancient aliens and also uh, new science. People like A.V. Love will be there. Contact in the Desert is by far the best of the best when it comes to these conferences. Come out and join me. We're our sponsor. Earth Ancients will be there with our booth. We'll be interviewing a lot of people. And there's over 125 speakers, lectures, workshops, and panel discussions. You fly out to Palm Desert. It's an Indian Wells conference and resort. And it is amazing. For more information, go to contactinthedesert.com. And register. It is a blast. And uh, if you're there, come out and see me. I'll be in a booth. Love to say hi. So check it out. Contactinthedesert.com. Just, I mean, take a look at the lineup. It's just amazing. All right, that's it for this program. I want to thank my guest today, Gunard Hipman from Austria. And as always, uh, my team of Ruth Thomas. Mark Foster, and everyone who makes this thing happen. You guys rock. You really do. All right, take care, be well, and we will talk to you next time.